Hey, I'm Jeffrey. I'm Greg Gillian. And this is the From First to Last podcast. Podcast. It's a podcast where my friend Craig and I, we get together each week. We work our way through a the- director's theatrical filmography from the first film we? all the way through to their last. Now, Craig, this is somewhat of a, we're going to call it not a mini episode. It's more of a maxi episode, isn't it? Yeah, a little outlier episode. A, a bonus, so to speak. Oh, a bonus that you don't have to pay for. Yes. An anti-patreon. <laughs> an antrian. Take that. This is like a... Only fans, but for every fan. <laughs> all fans? <laughs> all fans. Yeah, this is like all fans. Public all fans. I love it. I love it. So last week, Craig, uh, for those who are wondering, we are talking Tim Burton this season. You've probably worked it out. Yeah. We know before you all shout into your phones and your, and whatever device you listen to us on, we know today's film is not a Tim Burton-directed film. It isn't? We are aware of this fact. It is. But it's very much a part of Tim Burton's legacy in film. It is. Very true. And so we could not do this season without touching on The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, exactly. Exactly. But... And you're hoping he's making, you know, residuals out there. Oh, I think his name is very front and centre on this film, Craig. I think Mr. Burton is. is definitely making some residuals on this bad boy. That is for sure. Now, before we get too deep in The Nightmare Before Christmas, last week we had an absolute cracker lacker of uh, an episode, Craig. We talked Batman Returns with our good friend, Blake Howard. Thank you. Yeah. For a second there, Jeff, I went blank, as I always do. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when someone asks you something and you put you on the spot. You go, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, well, just a peek behind the curtain for everyone. We've had a couple of weeks off for Craig and I due to illness. Yeah. Uh, If you can't tell by my husky tones. Mm, Just taking up cigars. Can't get enough of your love, baby. Now I've got this sweet jazz voice going on. Uh, This is what happens when a grown man goes on a Bucks night with a whole heap of (laughs) 20-year-olds. Shout out to those boys who entertain themselves by drunkenly throwing peanut M&Ms into fans. Oh, really? What? That's not that bad. It was was like Apocalypse Now in that room. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. I love the smell of peanuts in the morning. (laughs) Oh, do you, Craig? It would be Apocalypse (laughs) Now if someone was like allergic to peanuts. (laughs) That's where the danger would be. That's very true. It was like a diehard walk that everyone had to do over the peanuts (laughs) to find out who had the allergy. Um, So, yeah, we had a great time last week, Craig. Awesome. Blake is such a wealth of knowledge. He is, man. And... I think I just love the fact we said this with our uh, Tim and Lee from Popcorn Podcast episode uh, mm. when we talked Edward Scissorhands. We're just loving the fact that this podcasting community, we're starting to get buddies with people now. They're so friendly. And so we're just having a great time. Just not Craig and I being buddies chatting on a couch. Yeah, exactly. Get to invite other people to come and join the, the chat. This is nice people. Nice people. We haven't run into any podcast assholes yet. Not yet. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, baby. Um, so this week, 
we are talking the nightmare before Christmas, or should I say, Tim Burton's nightmare, the before, nightmare before? Oh no, Christmas. exactly. That's that's pretty much the sales pitch behind it. Oh, isn't it ever? And I guess before we even get into the film, uh, the fact that Tim Burton's name is so front and centre, probably what would this be? He's before this, he's directed, um, I think it's six films. Yeah. Uh, five films before this is all he's directed, and his name is so front and centre. It shows how much within five films he's had this sort of meteoric Yeah, it's exactly. Rise. His name is huge. He's, he's it's a brand. a brand now. Yeah. yeah, he is. It's crazy, isn't he it? He still is, man. Like, still, Very like, much like so. Jeff and I were talking about this before we go on. There's merchandise everywhere. It's um, We're a couple of weeks before Halloween. At the time of recording? Yes. Um, actually, is it next week? A-T at all, we call it. A-T-A-O-R. I had no idea what you were doing. Sorry, I work for government, so we just have to add all that shit. Acronyms for everything. So it's incredible this year. I've not seen it this year. Maybe it's just because we're doing Tim Burton's work this year. Yeah, true, actually. You go, oh, Wow. There's a lot of Tim Burton related like merchandise a, a out here at the full, moment. There's a full life size um, Jack Skellington at Big W for one forty. Wow, I know exactly. That is crazy. So, Craig, before we really get into the the film itself, I thought we'd just continue our our sort of format that we're doing. In yeah. Or in usual episodes, so we're going to sort of look at what's Burton been up to post Batman Returns. Yeah. Where are which, you, Burton? Burton's actually been a very busy beaver. And um, he likes beaver too. <laughs> he does. Uh, and <laughs> and there's a nice segue to Winona and the big brown beaver. Who he cast yeah, Winona Ryder for a lot of things. Um, so he, he's 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 finished up with Batman Returns and starts looking for his next project. But in in terms of Nightmare Before Christmas, he's actually been in production with Nightmare while working on Batman Returns, oh. which is which is. The first time that he's actually worked on two projects simultaneously. And That's this is why he didn't direct Nightmare. Okay, makes sense. Is because he just knew that the the process of Batman Returns was so massive. The jump from Edward Scissorhands straight into Batman Returns, which he's developing Batman Returns while filming Edward Scissorhands, to throw a third project in the mix to then be filmed at the same time. In such a laborious process, such as stop motion, Burton just couldn't commit to it. He knew he wasn't up to it. So this is where we sort of reach the production of the film. But before we do that, Craig, let's just take a little moment in case people have no idea what Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas is about. Maybe it's a big favourite in your household. I'm pretty sure I haven't watched it in a very long time before this. (laughs) But let's just take a moment, Craig, and let's just hear about it. This legendary stop-motion Christmas classic follows the story of Jack Skellington, the king of Halloween Town, who stumbles upon Christmas Town and creates a plan to take over the holiday. Henry Selleck directs this Tim Burton story. Let's chat about Nightmare Before Christmas. So good, Craig. Now, if there's a film that you would call a Tim Burton brainchild, Mm Mm-hmm. Something that really took hold in his brain and he sort of birthed, in a sense. Yeah. There's no bigger Tim Burton brainchild than Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, okay. 
All, we've talked about how with the depth of it. Well, we didn't. It, well, this is it's it's pretty crazy. So, following the completion of his original animated short in 1982, Vincent, yeah, Burton wrote a three-page poem that was inspired by classic tri- Christmas TV specials such as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. This poem was actually was titled "The Nightmare Before Christmas." Ah. So a three-page poem. Now, Burton's plan here was to create his own animated Christmas special and have Vincent Price narrate it. Um, Burton also considered releasing it as a book as well, like a a family book, but first pursued the possibility of a TV special. As he was working at Disney at the time, he began storyboarding the project. Now, we, we, we know from past episodes that Burton's role at Disney was to be not a, a storyboard artist, but... A concept artist. Yeah. He was actually paid to develop ideas and create wacky characters they could put into all sorts of um, films. So with uh, that role, he starts storyboarding Nightmare Before Christmas. And along with Rick Heinrichs, who was also working at Disney, they began putting together some sculptures of character design. Now, Rick Heinrichs was a part of the the sculpting and 3D team there, goes on to be a, a bigger part of, of the future of Disney. Now, they showed this to a fellow Disney animator named Henry Selick, and the trio used the success of Vincent, which within Disney was seen as quite a creative success, uh, to allow Disney to have them develop a 30-minute TV special. Not long after this, Disney starts to become concerned by the tone of the project. Here's a recurring theme of Burton's <laughs> yeah, time Burton. at Disney, isn't it? I don't, I don't even know why they just don't realise that by now. <laughs> you know, like, oh, these are cute, Tim. This is going to get fucking dark. Yep, yep. Dark quickly. See this guy? His face turns from happy to sad. <laughs> it spins... Scarily. <laughs> uh, so the project begins to stall. And as we heard in our intro episode, Burton and Disney sort of, they work on a few other projects, but ultimately they part ways. And with that, the project Nightmare Before Christmas dies. Now, as he then works on a number of projects and becomes a big name director, Burton keeps thinking about Nightmare Before Christmas. It was a project that he adored and he really begins to make inquiries to see if Disney still owned the rights to his baby. Yeah. Now, an interesting thing was, as happens quite often, you'd have signed contracts for companies as well. Yep. The, the content and original stuff that you create while employed in a company becomes the intellectual property. Of the, of the company. And so, obviously, for their creators at Disney, they must have had a similar clause because we find out that in 1990, Burton finds out that Disney indeed does right, still own the rights to Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, he goes off and asks if they'd be interested in it becoming a feature-length film. Ooh. This is So, we're, we've sort of jumped from 82 all the way through to basically when Edward Scissorhands has been released now. So... Uh, Hearing that Burton, who at this point is on the back of multiple financial and critical successes, Disney jumps at the chance. Now, we know here that Burton's starting to have a bit of a rocky time with Warner Brothers as well. So it makes a bit of sense that he shops around this project um, and settles with Disney. So Burton was in develop on... um, on a third Batman film as well at the time. And so, as I mentioned before, he doesn't want to be involved with the stop motion process because how time-consuming it was. So with 
Henry Selick locked in as directing, Tim Burton producing, the project's back and alive again. So Burton starts looking at, all right, we're going to have to expand this poem, this three-page poem, and really start developing a script and a story. So he reaches out to his Beetlejuice collaborator, Michael McDowell, and they sit down to really start honing this. And not long into the process, they start facing some creative differences. Ooh, I love creative differences. So Burton and McDowell start butting heads a little bit on the direction of the film. And this actually leads Burton to make a decision, which is that I think the film should be a musical. At this point, it wasn't going to be a musical. And I think uh, we'll get to it. Well, when you think of great Christmas specials Mm -hmm. in American culture, that music is a big part of Christmas specials. Yeah, it is. There's always at least one or two numbers. Yes. And so... To think of this being a, because like, it's very much a Christmas movie, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. I, even though they're celebrating it's it's a, Halloween. That's a terrifying Christmas movie. It yeah. is a te- terrifying one. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, so with McDowell no longer a part of it, Burton turns it into a musical. And along with Danny Elfman. <laughs> like he just quickly, McDowell no longer a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's no longer Mr. there. Mr. Burton thinks that maybe you should get in your car and leave with him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, the key to the locks don't work for me anymore. Tim? Yeah. Tim? Tim. A note on the door. Eviction notice. <laughs> Eviction notice, you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not welcome here. Um, so the so Elfman and Burton actually start developing a story for Nightmare Before Christmas through the songwriting process. Ah. So they start collaborating on the music and this leads them to start coming up with a story. So Elfman's a dirty goth dude, man. He'd love he this loved, shit. Yeah, he would. And so Elfman is actually, and I don't know if you, you realise, but Elfman is the singing voice of Jack Skellington. Oh, did you no, know that? Yeah, no, no, I didn't so know that. So when they perform Nightmare Before Christmas does an annual live at the Hollywood Bowl, Elfman actually is on stage performing as Jack Skellington. Oh, awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Huh? Yeah. So um, they developed the story. Now, with two-thirds of the song complete, they bring in Caroline Thompson to work on the screenplay. Now, Caroline Thompson was the author who uh, Burton had brought on for the screenplay of Edward Scissorhands. Right oh, okay. Down very disturbing sort of yeah, that horror, has a beautiful. horror movie that he loved the heart of. <laughs> so animation commences in July 1991. It lasts almost two years. Burton's involvement once production commences is very limited. He was working on, as I mentioned, Batman Returns and also starts developing Ed Wood while uh, the, the process of Nightmare Before Christmas is done. So during the production, Selick actually describes it as Burton laid the egg and he sat on it and hatched it. <laughs> that's, that's very good. And, very good. and I really want to talk about very soon because we've nearly wrapped up the journey to screen here. But I really want to touch on when we get there, Craig. So I'm saying this so you don't let me forget. Yeah, okay, I can't you forget. Is how much of Burton we get versus how much of Selick we get in this yeah. movie. I think it's a really fascinating mixture it is and i love that analogy of burton laying the egg and selig hatching it because it's very fitting for the film itself exactly so the film is released october 29 1993 and was a huge success with a budget of 24 million dollars the film took 91.5 million dollars and i reckon at the box office taking that 
twice that since. And has become a huge pop culture and cult yeah. success. Which is weird for some, most Christmas movies who will come out are just usually like flops and then become cult. This is like a hit. Out of the gates. Yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty incredible. And you can't go into any pop culture store without there being some form of oh, night Jack before skeleton Christmas. skeleton everywhere, Jesus. It is everywhere, isn't it? It is everywhere, man. It's just, well, obviously because, you know, it's Disney, so yeah. Disney can get it everywhere. But, I don't know, in Australia we have a store called Zing. It's pretty much your pop culture yeah. home. And anytime I go in there, there are purses, handbags, I know. backpacks, T-shirts, socks, Figurines. It's just, and you know that, and you see all the the girls with the um, what do you call them? Those what's the things that hold up the pants? The suspenders. <laughs> suspenders always go and buy those stuff. Yeah, they do, don't they? <laughs> Suspender they do. pants, the um, pixie haircuts, uh, and the and and the check and the check um, the check stockings. Yeah, if we if we were back in like uh the nineties, the eighties and the nineties. All those kids were the scar kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Looking for a band to, to go skank to. Yeah, damn right. Now, Craig, I'd love to know, when was the last time you saw this film? Yes. Um, release? Whoa. Yeah, release. 93. Yeah. I feel like I've owned it for a little while. Oh, serious? Um, I've definitely had it on Blu-ray for a number of years. But I'm pretty sure I didn't watch it because I had an inkling there'd be some Burton love in the ah. future. But I've probably only watched it once since it came out. Yeah, no. Release. So it's funny. So I guess knowing what knowing what we've got, Craig, I'll do the professional thing and talk in my mic as opposed to worrying about my drink. Um, <laughs> so He's drinking. He's a, he's a drunk now. <laughs> so I, I'd love to know, though, like, Following the, we're at our 11th episode of the season. Mm -hmm. What do you expect of this film? Man, when I, like, when I watched it at the cinemas, I never liked it. Um, And then I was like, so I was expecting, look, I was expecting, um, obviously, Tim Burton. Yep. Um, Stop motion. I was really excited because I love Coraline. Yeah. Like, I'm a huge fan of Leica. And, um... Because Henry Selleck is very heavily involved with Leica. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, Leica, yeah. Yeah, so, um... Kubo. Yeah, um, I have all the... Com- I have all of them at home. Oh. Um, except for Nightmare. I just never liked it. <laughs> so, and so, yeah, I and I grew up... And Carter's grown up watching them. He loves them all. Um, and so I was really pumped to see this. Did you see The Missing Link, Craig? Yeah. Is it good? It's all right. It's, it's really weird. It's... It's almost like their version of a, a crowd pleaser. Oh, but that's not what fascinating. Like, yeah, so like it's more about it's it is has that um, there is a, always a darker tone to it, but it's so much. There's always so much heart to all of this. Interesting. Now, Henry Selick, for people at home, he sort of goes on to become if Ray Harryhausen was the the godfather of stop motion. Yep. Henry Selick is the current king. Yeah. You would say that there's no one that is probably more revered in the in the stop yeah, motion incredibly, world incredibly. at the moment working. Yeah. Uh, so whenever Henry Selleck has a project dropping, and again he goes on after this, he does James and the Giant Peach. Yep. It uh, is produced by Tim Burton. Freaky ass film. 
I've not watched that in a very. Do you know Man, what? I watched a clip of it because Carter's reading a book. Oh, is he? And it is. It's like the horror scenes out of Event Horizon. No. <laughs> it just has the same texture because it's oh, peaches and jolly. shit. And some of them are living inside peaches and it's just like. Uh, well, I can't I'm, stand it. I, don't, I feel like the last time I saw it, it was on VHS. Plausible. That's probably the last time I saw James and the Giant Peach. Uh, but I thought that was very fascinating that this partnership continues on. Yeah. Um, and we really do, like, Henry Selleck just really does make an incredible film, doesn't he? Yes, yes. Um, so I guess, Craig, it's a fascinating film. Well, let's go there now so I don't forget, which is, I guess for me, I expected Frank and Weenie. Yeah. Mixed with Vincent. Yeah. But a musical. If that makes sense. Makes and so, heaps of sense. And so... Heaps I, Burton, obviously, because yeah. Burton's name's all over it, yeah. But what was really fascinating to me, it feels like Burton drew the pictures and yeah. just gave all the artwork to Selick and just went, show me what you can do with this. And then it makes so much sense that Burton was very hands-off in the process. Because everything you get afterwards is like Henry Selick's version of Tim Burton. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like um, watching. It's like Spielberg's AI. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's his interpretation. Yeah. But it's very um, like you can see he tries to colorize like um Burton. Yeah. Obviously, he's while still standing. You know, because Vincent and them have this real pale yes, grayish. Very washed out. Yeah, exactly. But this one obviously is the, um, it has a little bit more zing to, yeah. even though it's dark colors, yeah. it's a little bit more zing to all of it. So you can see he's he's like tribute. It's like a, it's like a tribute, but he's able to hold his own. He certainly is. Mm. Um, I also think like the perspective on some characters are played with further than maybe what Burton would take it. Yeah. So Skellington's like, his limbs are so long and like tree-like yeah. that I know that when you see the artwork that Burton has drawn, it's very similar to that. But I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just the perspective of it not being human. Well, I think it, I think I see what you mean when he's um, when it talks about his like appendages. Is they're 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 floppy, like you yeah. know what I mean. Like yeah, they're they're like pool noodles. Yes, you know what I mean. Where you could almost think that if if it was Burton, they'd have they'd be. Long, but there'd be like a musculature, like you'd have Very elbows so. and you'd have shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it sort of surprised me a bit. I think, like you mentioned, the color palette in the film surprised me a little bit as well. Uh, again, I was expecting Vincent's washed outness. Yeah. And so to have. It's actually quite a vibrant, you, you said it right, vibrant. It's a very vibrant film. Yeah, it's and vibrant blacks. I know yeah. that's weird to say, blacks and greys and yep. shit, but it's vibrant versions of them. And I love. I totally forgot that he lives in a place called Halloween Town mm. and then goes to Christmas Town, which they looked at a sequel which gave more of the history of Halloween Town and uh, other, they wanted and to the do the other trees and stuff. The other, the other doorways, which those doorways at the start, they're very Leica, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're, it's just got that, I don't know, there's something, Leica is. Similar to me, it's like if Pixar Pixar was run by Del Toro or something, yeah, something is, like that. It is very very similar like that, you know. But obviously, you know, not that night. He he's a good, ta- he's a brilliant talent, makes himself. He is, he mm. is. So 
it's a it's a very fascinating blend of you could pick out bits of Burton, but I actually think we get way more Selick than yeah. You know, I'd feel like there'd probably be a thirty seventy split of Burton versus yeah, exactly versus Selick. I think it's a it's it's very apt what he said about it, like you know him laying the egg and him you know because it's just. I don't know. There's so much. There's so much difference. There's so much connection between this and Caroline. Yeah. Even though I loved Caroline incredibly, because Caroline obviously it's more aimed at the tension of it. You know. Yes. What I mean, while this is literally Tim Burton doing Christmas, and, and, <laughs> and yep. so yeah, it's 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 interesting too because I think the idea we've seen that Burton is very much he's wanted to do a musical for a little bit, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, we've talked about it in previous episodes when he's got the chance to start dabbling in musicals. We've heard of Beetlejuice becoming a musical. We've heard of Edward Scissorhands was going to be a musical yep. at one point. And so, you know, it's I think it's quite fascinating to know how much Burton wanted. Batman was originally almost a musical. <laughs> Batman. It's uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because it very close. It's very close to it. To yeah, a there's musical, there's, there's huge hardcore musical numbers. Yep. There is. And so there is this odd relationship, even to the extent of the Edward Scissorhand fact that we found out where he wanted Robert Robert Smith from The Cure to score and write yeah. music for the whole thing. You realise that music plays a big part in Burton's approach to filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, probably a lot more than I expected. And we find out later in his career that he goes on to do video clips for bands like The Killers. Yes. And, uh, he might have done an Arctic Monkeys one as well. Plausible. Um, so, but in, their, in their second reiteration. Yeah, that's right. They're on a third a third run at the moment. Are they? Yeah. They've changed again. Yeah. They when they could... went towards that standards type thing, you know what I mean? And they started dressing the, you know. Yep. He's getting away from the Moncurian. They're they're definitely got away from that little lad look that they had going yeah, on at the exactly. start. The hoodie boys. They're more of a. I've come out of the seventies and I've got my yeah. flares and stuff on at the moment. Uh, but night at the Soho type. Like yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Edgar Wright's dressing them. Um, but I, I think it's quite fascinating the film as a musical. The numbers are quite catchy. They are. Um, I don't know the. The Oogie Boogie guy, which is like the little sack. Who is that? That sack man. Oh, he I'm scares gonna... the shit out of me. It's something I terrifying, just don't like isn't him. he? I don't like him. And I didn't like him about the... That's what I didn't like him about. Look, I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan of this film. I'll never buy it. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't hate it. You know what I mean? I don't hate it. And I see its place in iconography. Like... You can't go friggin' five minutes in that film without seeing a scene on a T-shirt. You know what I mean? Like, And look, let's be honest. How magnificent is those scenes in front of the moon? Oh, so you know, isn't iconic. Like, isn't that one of the most fucking... Yeah, but like even without the icon... You, isn't that one of the most beautiful fucking things yep. ever? You know what I mean? The moon comes up and it's a fantastic way of light. And, and then just to see someone like Jack Skellington, you know, the... Pumpkin, and and then this reverse Romeo and Juliet where she's just sitting there yes. watching him and wants to talk. I loved it. Like I love there's there's so many um artistry like artistic choices that I love in this film. Yep. I just don't love the film. It's so fascinating. So 
I really did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Ooh. But here's the funny but thing. But I see that everyone enjoys it. And I appreciate I think every, and it's one of those films where I'm like I'm not bewildered by people who like like say yeah. I am with Pee Wee Herman. Well, like if you were in a Pee Wee Herman show, I'd be like Ah, yeah, come on. Yeah, man. but you were in it. I'll be like, yeah, that's cool, man. I I know I people it. love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's it's it is a fascinating film because what really sort of broke my brain a little bit. I loved it, but it didn't grab me at the same time. Does that make sense? So no, 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 no. It's true. It doesn't. Rivet, it's not a riveting film. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But maybe well, I it's, guess it depends on your taste. I know there'd be some people who like. Like, literally, you'd know these people. Someone would put it on every year. Uh, oh, no, there's more than that. Like, more than that. And there's people, obviously, these are the people who are buying the shirts. That's why these, that's why this Tim Burton gear is out all year round. It's true. Because it keeps selling. So, these people are just living, living the Halloween town life. They're not forget. They're not just visiting once a year. That's why like, I appreciate that, man. Appreciate the darkness, you know. Can I tell you a little oogie boogie fact to that some I found? Teenager of the year, <laughs> directed by Zack Snyder. Teenager of the year. Um, in Nightmare Before Christmas, they actually had a video game released. Oh, where wow. called Oogie's Revenge. Ooh. In it, Oogie was Is resurrected. It yeah, he was resurrected. It was done instead of doing a sequel kids? by his henchman, Lock, Shock and Barrel. And they sewed him back together after Jack leaves town searching for new ideas for Halloween. Oh. So there we go. I did read that. Who's the. Um, his name's Ken Page. He is but basically. the protagonist in it? Who's the protagonist? Of the game. Well, the. Jack Skellington's back to save the day. Oh, so Jack Skellington comes back and then he finds that he's being resurrected. Yeah. And then yeah. you play as Jack. Okay, cool. They also had a game called uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Pumpkin King on Game Boy Advance. Ah. So it's actually really fascinating, the the different iterations afterwards. Um, they really pushed back on making a sequel to this film. Burton wasn't keen on doing further iterations of it. He really loved it, but agreed to have video games made of it. So um, sorry, who was the guy who did the voice? His here? name is Ken Page, and basically he's an actor who, who sort of got his um, start in Broadway productions. Oh, he has a fantastic voice. <laughs> he sure does. Like he's a, got that soul, doesn't that it? That soul, terrifying voice. Like, yeah. like he's, he's, it's like he's the sorcerer out of friggin' what's the um, the Princess and the Frog? Oh man, Princess and the Frog has a incredible music. Oh. Seriously, it's one of the best soundtracks ever. Yeah, it really does. Uh, that's the song that I think you're thinking of, which is He's Got Friends on the Other Side. Man, so darn good. And you, you, a film like Princess and the Frog can't tackle voodoo magic in a Disney princess world yeah. without Nightmare Before Christmas oh, becoming yeah. a part of the Disney world. Well, I think this showed Disney that they can. Well, you can dabble in yeah. darkness. But the funny thing is, Disney, so, and this was at a time like what ninety three. So there was a time where, lack of a better word, Disney got very Disneyfied. Yes. So if you go back to old Disney stuff, there's always a bit of fucking darkness to it, man. Oh, so, you know, Black you Cauldron is White, dark. Black Cauldron, Fantasia. Yeah, they're still terrifying, man. And so they're not scared to step into the dark areas. No. But then suddenly they just it almost became a bit too too bright. This is also the year that Disney released Hocus Pocus. 
Really? Yeah. I just saw the trailer for that, man, and all the magic in the world can't make them look young. <laughs> Which, um, you know, obviously, you know, it's been It's actually years. really, really fascinating. Did? In 93, let me just read some of the releases Disney released under all their branches. Which you you'll see is it's quite a dark bent going on. Leprechaun, what? Yep. Oh man, that was terrifying. That show. Uh, there's Groundhog Day and Falling Down. Amazing. Uh, when a stranger calls back, don't know that one. Indecent Proposal, The Sandlot. Decent Proposal, Sandlot Kids. No, no, oh, no, that's a good work. I'm finding there may not be all Disney things. This might be the, the yeah, things. Last Action Hero was released. Jurassic Park was released. Wow. Um, Disney released Hocus Pocus. Free Willy was released. <laughs> Friday the 13th, part nine. Jason oh, Goes to Hell. Oh, I watched Jason Goes to Hell. True Romance. That's one of the first end scene credits, Jason Goes to Hell. Really? Yeah, because that's when you see a Freddy Krueger's hand come up and grab the. Oh, before Freddy versus Jason, which mm. was the 10th, because they had that yeah. big X. And it was one. Oh, no, no, the 10th. Wasn't was it Freddy X Jason? That's right, you're right, yeah. Uh, Rudy was released. What else we got? God, people love Rudy, man. I hated that fucking film. Cool Runnings. Oh, I love that cool film. Cool Runnings. Double Trouble Toil Double Double Toil and Trouble, which was the Olsen Twins Halloween film. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, they uh, haven't grown. No, they have not. If anything, they've gotten skinnier. Adam's family <laughs> values. Well, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Kalito's Way, Mrs. Doubtfire, Schindler's List. Damn. Um, Wayne's World 2. Oh, wow. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? And oh. Tombstone. Oh, and Batman. There you, go, there you go, Craig. There you go. That was released in in 93. Now, this, there's quite a um, a Burton cast here, isn't there? Yes, it in is. In this film. Catherine O'Hara is back. Love it. As Sally. Paul Rubens is one of the uh, one of the henchmen. He's Locke. Oh, is he? Yeah. I um, hated those henchmen, man. Yeah, they're pretty annoying, aren't they? Oh, I just uh, sometimes they're um, sometimes the design is too good. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Just like the <laughs> they're all just like like some of the designs are just too King Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's oh, like, I love it. He's doing the world too good. Oh, I love it. So that's that's sort of the, um, I don't want to go too long. I know people are probably like, come on, guys, you haven't talked too much about this film. But, but we'll bring it for half an hour. Yeah, it's, it's a bonus app. It's a mini app. That's, that's exactly right. Did we say mini app at the start? We said bonus. We said a maxi, which is a bit bigger than a mini. Oh, Maybe okay. Yeah, all right. right. Cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll just throw a bit of... I'll just sing for you. I think... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I we'll was... get Jeff drunk and we'll just see what happens from yeah, there. Yeah, uh, Jeff does like to sing when he's drunk. Um, Do you? What's your singing song? Mr. Brightside. Oh, Wow. Mr. Brightside. I love seeing you come in and out of your cage. Or um, I also do When We Were Young by The Killers. Oh, well, you're, a, kill, the, you're, you're a big killers the, boy. And I, I also do a stirring rendition of Sex on Fire by uh, oh, Kings wow. Leon. That's terrifying. So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's what I, that's what I enjoy. Uh, I, I go to Frank Sinatra. I did my do my Do you? <laughs> I want to get the place rocking, Craig. Oh, man, I, I, I rocked the house the other night when we were just me, Carter, and Brooke were just doing karaoke. Nice. Yeah. Did you get a standing, o- standing ovation? I better have. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. 
Um, so this this film, they do try to do a lot of iterations. There's talk of sequels, video games. Uh, he does pop up in Jack Skellington and a couple of the characters pop up in Disney Infinity stuff. There's oh, even a little level of Nightmare Before Christmas stuff in there. We play a lot of Disney Infinity in the Reed House. Oh, cool. Uh, so What that, is Disney Infinity? I've never... Well, never Disney moved. Infinity was sort of like Skylanders. So you know how okay, Skylanders... explain that to me so too. So basically there's a game. Uh, it's quite open, not open world. I don't know how to describe that, but it's like you could just create this world for yourself. But basically there's a base plate that connects to your Xbox mm-hmm. and you collected figurines that have yeah, a computer chip in the bottom. There are always like cash converters for like five bucks. Yeah. And so basically you would get these, you could also get a disc that sat on the base. It sort of was a funny like hexagon shape and it would load a level into the game. Oh, so, so not that character? Well, the characters sat on there, but you also had a, a, a piece that was a level piece that went oh, wow. as well. So we've got ones that is in the shape of the Avengers Tower, and it's basically New York City. Yep. And you can run around with any of the Avengers, or if oh, you fantastic. feel like it, you could chuck Jack Sparrow in there, or Lightning McQueen, if you've got those characters, and you can sort of be a part of those levels. And we've got an Inside Out one. Uh, there's Star Wars, Force Awakens ones. Wow, that's hardcore. Um, and so, and then there are worlds where there are levels where you can only use Star Wars characters, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's levels where everyone can just play. So there's like, and it was really cool because Disney started dropping things like Nightmare Before Christmas. So you would have a world where you would battle Oogie Boogie, or you would have. Like a Tron world where you could go in there and play that. Oh, There's yeah. Tomorrowland level levels. There's just all these, um, all these basically like the way mobile gaming is now, where you can yeah. download a game based on pretty much any movie. Uh, studios could create these little levels that were in there that didn't require a full video game to be developed, and so it's really fun. So the kids love it. Cool. Evie, Evie loves to be Iron Man, pick you up and then throw you off a cliff. Awesome. Um, Sounds like Lego. Yeah, it is. It's it's sort of like that Lego sort of gaming. And and they're a lot of fun, Craig. So there is that. Uh, I know that, as we mentioned, Burton isn't super keen on getting a sequel going. And as a result, we haven't seen it, even though you could very easily recreate the technology. You could do it now. In a digital sense. Yeah. And you could probably play in a world quite largely. And I wouldn't be surprised if... That's what the missing link's like in Leica. Is it? Yeah. Like you a could, digital version of stop motion? It is. Obviously, you could see where, like, it, you know, just from a trained eye, you can see where it stops and starts. But yep. you can see that they, they're they able to open it up more. Yeah, more. okay. And it's funny, But I guess it? it's always been like that because there's only so much, you know, they'll, they'll always have backgrounds in CG. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, so it's a massive hit. People love it. I'd love to know, Craig, overall, how do you feel about the film? I'm indifferent to it. Interesting. I know, it's weird, hey. Like I, I but once again, I understand it I understand its purpose. I think it's um it's iconic. Yep. Just not to me. Do you think it could have been a better film if Burton was the director? No. Interesting. No. No, I do not. So Selick is a a boost for this film. Oh, I think Selleck is. I, I think everyone has the is good in their teams, man. And this is Selleck's. And yeah. I like. I'm such 
a huge fan of Coraline. I'm not allowed to watch it in my home because, like, when she turns into a spider, it terrifies my boy. Really? Oh, it's just, I think I showed it to him when he was too young. And yep. now it has something that's grown somewhere in his head a lot more. Like, he, he, he pictures spider people with heads like that in the really? hallway and shit. That's yeah. like his fear. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Which is, you know, partly me because I always tell him there's like a ghost of a kid named Vincent in the hallway. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's always fun. <laughs> but, but, but he thinks, yeah. Horrible. I know it is horrible. It is horrible. I, I don't do it anymore because, like, it totally backfired, and I just ended up having to sleep next to him all the time. <laughs> and so, like, I, you know, I tell him obviously it's not true. So but bad. It's true. So bad. It's so <laughs> bad. It's so fittingly dark for this episode. Exactly. What a funny dark. Oh, look, I like my kid to get scared, you know, to an extent. So to an extent, funny. not in a horrible extent, you know what I mean? Yep. But, yeah. No, I get it. I get it, Craig. It's uh, Fish, some fish at a good light should be fun. <laughs> and that's what we do. We have fun fear around our, like he scares me all the time. We sometimes oh. turn the lights off in the entire house and we have to go hide and scare each other. Oh, gosh. Oh, man, we do it. Yeah, we, and we do, and one carries, a, one will carry the torch and everyone has to go hide. And we just like, even Brooke does this. Brooke's amazing at it, man. My wife's fucking amazing at hide and seek. She's a Shetland person. And we do this. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> Sounds like good family fun, Craig. It is. <laughs> good family fun. That's why we fun. did that in karaoke shit. This is our house. Yeah. Our neighbors must think we're fucking mad. Hey. <laughs> that was mad. They were loud screaming, <laughs> screaming murder last night. Now they're singing Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Excuse me. Oh. I love it, Craig. He's drunk. Yep. That's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to edit that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, look, this is a really funny one. I gave it a really, I'm pretty sure I put like a th- a four star rating on it when I rated it on Letterboxd. Uh, you can find me, Jeff Reed, Letterboxd. Um, but it's funny as time's gone on. And you know what's fascinating is I always share what movie I've watched on our socials yeah. or on my socials. Um, if anyone wants to hit that up, Jeff underscore FFTL. Um, I share what I watch on there. And so many people hit me up going, love this movie. Oh, Why yeah. isn't it That's five stars? Get, it? Love this one. Five stars. And it was fascinating because just after I watched my neighbor Totoro um, yeah. and I gave that a four star and the same people all got cranky with me about the fact I didn't give that five star either, uh, which was really fascinating. But it's it's so interesting because in it, it took me three goes to watch the movie. People, but I could see why it was good. People love this dark shit, man. It's funny, isn't it? Oh, exactly. Like, like what's our, one of our, ironically, one of our biggest posts we've had is Wednesday. Yeah. That's gone nuts on social. People just love it. it. I'm like, all I did was just show a poster from Tim Burton. And people were just like, Wednesday is coming. Oh, no. It's coming. They are I stoked. love dark shit. I'm like, go for it. I fucking love that you love dark shit. That said, I do love, have you seen how good Fred Armisen looks as oh, Uncle Fester? It looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm they pretty all keen look on it. Hey. I'm actually, to be honest, really. And, and there's a behind the scenes one, which Tim Burton obviously talks about it. And, um, and you see his drawings and concepts. That's what this reminds me of very much. Like this is his brain, but he's obviously directing this yes. season as well. So yeah, so fucking. Is he I'm directing so, the whole season? Yeah. Well, according to IMDb, he did. He's done every episode. Wow. How many episodes? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Wow. Isn't it funny? Lately, we've been watching a few TV shows, 
and they're all 24 episode seasons. Holy God. Yeah, there's one where I watched Demon Slayer season three, and that was 24 episodes, but they were only like 20, 30 minute episodes. So it was normal. And it's fascinating to think how much television's changed because, you know, you used to have TV shows reach their 200th, 300th episode, and it was a big achievement. And nowadays, it's a big achievement if you can get to 50 episodes yeah. or 100 episodes because people are only dropping like eight episodes a season. Or if you're the final season of Game of Thrones, you're dropping six. And and seasons aren't seasons aren't every year now. No, they're not, are they? Barry's come back for season three or four. Yeah, I think it might be four. And they're like, yeah. it's been like two years since the last one. Yeah, what else was it? Someone said, oh, that new, the new House of Dragons season. Yeah. Well, they're like, the next season won't be released till 2024. Like, shit. All That's, right, cool. Go for it. As long as the quality's there, I, I think people are happy. I any of it. I've heard yeah, moderately good things. Same. That's the same with the Lord of the Rings one. It's all moderately. I. I've been so busy. I've not gone anywhere near it. I haven't, I haven't touched, gone anywhere near it. Haven't touched Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, any of that jazz. Haven't gone there, Craig. Yeah, it's a, it's a, they're good. There's good stuff out there. Overall, we're fucking spoiled. We are, we're so spoiled. We're so yep. spoiled, Craig. Now, overall, I think this is. I'm actually glad this isn't a part of Burton's filmography. Yeah, uh, I I think I love, especially knowing our next film and the fact that I've watched it. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad he chose the project that he worked on next as opposed to working on Nightmare Before Christmas as his film. So, I don't know. You got anything else you want to say about this film, Craig? No, not really. Yeah, cool. Go out and enjoy it. We are so indifferent, aren't we? That's right. Seriously, I'm just so indifferent about this film, man. I'm just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get exactly. I'm just, it's just not for me. Yeah, I'm just through line right now. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> awesome. So where can people find us to throw all their hate, Craig? <laughs> you can go, you go, um, go on to Instagram or Twitter at FFTL Podcast or go on to, um, oh, shit, where are we going to? Go to uh, Facebook from yep. First to Last Podcast. We're, there. We're on there. Um, go, if you want to email us, info at FFTLpodcast.com or go to our website, www.fftlpodcast.com. Love it. As we say every week, please subscribe, share us with a friend. Share us. Give us a review. They're important. Yep, pop on there. And we love you being here on this journey. We are so grateful. It's like been blowing us away, the response to this season so far. I love the love. So we are really grateful. If you are listening to us for the first time, because you love Nightmare Before Christmas and you are absolutely appalled by how little justice we have done this film, it's a mini episode. It's a mini episode. It's a mini episode. I lied. It's not a maxi. Well, it is. We're, we're, we're at 47 minutes now, Craig. So That's maxi, man. That's, that's we've maxi. maxed that that's out. That's maxi, It's man. probably going to be less. We chatted heaps off it's not a. It's not actually hardcore histories, but you know, hey. Well, <laughs> hardcore histories, they're like three and a half to Whoa, seven hour man, epics. I don't know how this guy does it, man. That he must take for a year. days, hey. Yep. I just listened to his um, Atlantic slave trade, and it's taken me like three or four days to do it. I really like thinking, him. I, I love it. I think he's amazing. You know, he, he actually ironically reminds me of you, like oh, big thanks, researcher. Ray. And I'm just like, fuck, man. This is hardcore. This is hardcore. <laughs> hardcore histories. Yeah, it is. It That's is. why. Hey, if you like coffee, get on gleecoffeeroasters.com.au. Use the code FFTL. Get your 15% off. Get that shit. I love coffee. We just, just got a new coffee machine grand. at Take work. Take that 15. I'm loving it. Use that coffee. money. That's right. Save some money. Buy yourself a hat. 
Yeah. Buy yourself something. You know what? Use it on the big ticket items. That's what I'm saying, Craig. Booyah. Get yourself a coffee machine. Oh, do they sell coffee machines? Yeah, man. Grinders, the works. Man, get it on that. I know. Make some savings, Get guys. in there. Get some savings. So, Craig, next week, what are we talking? Edward, I'm really excited for this. I had never seen this film before. I'd seen it once before. This one. So I'm so excited to talk that next week from all of us here at From First to Last Podcast. I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.